Building Huskers. And now keeping himself with Martinez, five. He yeah. is going to be in touchdown. Adrian Martinez off the right edge. Runs in from 15 yards out, tying the game. This is the KLIN Husker Hour, giving you an inside look at everything going on in Husker Nation. Nebraska wins its fifth national championship. Three sets one over the Florida Gators. Now shoots the three. Got it. Isaiah Roby nails it from three-point land. And a good time was had by all. Good Saturday morning. Welcome to another edition of the KLIN Husker Hour. I'm Cole Stukenholtz. That's Caleb Henry. Kenny Larrabee is helping us with the Facebook live stream. If you're uh, if you're not enjoying that on our Facebook page, at KLIN Huskers, please go on over there and you can see our bright and shiny awake faces right now I'm while we're so on the radio. Awake. You are so awake. And you're not hopefully going to be walking for quite a long distance tonight like no. you did last Saturday night. No, la- last Saturday was, uh, that was something. But that was, I mean, that was an historical event going on. And it's been historical for this entire week yeah. here in the city of Lincoln and across the country, across the world as well. But we got to witness it up close yeah. here here in Lincoln. Um Myself and Kellen Haviken and Jack Mitchell on on Saturday, um, all the way to the Hall of Justice, a bunch of Facebook Live videos that are still up. William Padmore went out another night. Jack Jack and Kellen went out another night. So we've it's yep. been a busy week of coverage. Absolutely, you guys have had it covered, and um, we we've got a big show. I want to get into this here right now, but we've got a, a, a really fun show. Nate Klaus from Husker Online is going to be on. Uh, we're going to talk recruiting. The the things are starting to open back up. Maybe there's more information about how that will affect recruiting, visits, uh, whether they're going to be visits, how many you can have on a visit, travel for visits. The, there's a lot of questions around that, obviously, and so we'll have Nate talk about that. We're also going to get uh, into the NCAA basketball uh First, the first sanctions from there, uh, from the stuff that stemmed from the FBI investigation, and what does that mean for the other schools that yep. might have even more level one infractions? Yeah, a very, very interesting tone setter for that. Uh, and then uh, NFL coaches are back in their team facilities as well. That's uh, another encouraging sign that we're getting closer to having real American sports again. We've got German soccer on the TV because that's all we got right now, and um, so so we've got a lot to to cover. But I wanted to start with the the protests and Caleb like you said you guys have been on the airwaves throughout the week you guys have been covering things out in the city uh with LNK today road to recovery and and the facebook coverage and everything on klin.com as well um i've not been on the air since last saturday morning yeah uh but late saturday night i post some of my thoughts to social media and i wanted to just kind of try to talk about it as well cuz this this affects everyone this is not just a small segment of the population. This is not just stuff outside of Lincoln. This affects everybody. George Floyd's death sparked outrage because seeing that with your own eyes makes it real for anyone who watches it. Anyone. White people like Caleb and I, whatever your skin color or background, uh, it's, it's horrifying to think about how he died with a cop's knee on his neck, his last words, I can't breathe, since that video spread around, we've all seen this massive nationwide movement against police brutality, against systemic racism. All 50 states, that obviously includes Nebraska, that obviously includes Lincoln. Uh, like you were talking about, LPD had the clash with the public late Saturday night at the city-county building. Uh, thankfully, there's been no really terrible examples of the excessive force like what has been caught in like New York and DC and Atlanta and too many other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, one one thing I want I I don't want this to get lost. I think this should go without saying, but the rioting and the looting and the violence is bad. I don't know many people who are going to argue that point, and so focusing on that I don't think solves anything. Not only that, but the people I think who are protesting for real change aren't doing that rioting or looting. I think opportunists mm-hmm. did that right off the bat. You haven't seen that hardly at all later um, this week, almost anywhere. And we had one they of the protest organizers on Road to Recovery Thursday, um, Dominique, came in and talked about how yeah. they're stressing the nonviolence, the peaceful part, and anyone who is there to go ahead and try to be more aggressive like that, 
they're they're trying to fish them out as well. So yeah. so good point that that part shouldn't get lost in all of this. I don't think anybody's arguing that that stuff's good. Like that's yeah. a point we don't need to worry about. Everybody agrees that stuff's bad. Um, but I say all this to say, as as is often the case, sports shapes the public perception. Uh, the, the sports can get through to people the in a way that almost nothing else can uh, on a large scale. And and I think the NFL is the most popular sport in this country. And a few years ago, obviously, Colin Kaepernick was silently protesting by kneeling during the national anthem, and not many people were on his side at that time. You know, don't don't disrespect the flag. Don't diminish. My grandpa's military service in the war, what have you. You had three Nebraska football players uh, emulate the same protest in 2016. Mm-hmm. Uh, governor denounced them. A lot of people, like a regent, publicly called for them to be kicked off the team at the time. Um, Kaepernick, of course, was exiled from the NFL. Uh, now he seems to have been onto something, and I think Exhibit A is the Drew Brees saga that we saw from the last few days. Uh, he goes out and invokes the flag in the military and says that he would never agree with another player kneeling in the an- at the anthem in protest. Uh, immediately got backlash from like everybody, especially teammates, and came out the next day, issued an apology. Uh, and then yesterday he comes out a third time, saying we we can no longer use the flag to to invoke this like to to criticize because it was never about the flag he he gets that message finally after talking to mm-hmm. all the players uh other people in the community i'm sure to use uh, the flag as a distraction from the message yes and th- and that that third statement was after a statement from the president which said he shouldn't have apologized for the first statement and so that's a whole thing i just think that that is that that's that really drives home the point that things are different now and people are seeing things from a different perspective um and that really matters i think because anyone listening to this show probably has a very similar perspective to you and i mm-hmm. this is a majority white state um and we and we but, grew up here yes. in this state yes Born and raised in Nebraska, you had some time in Illinois for college, but born and raised in Nebraska, both of us. And and yet, obviously, Nebraska football rules the roost here. Uh, a bunch of Nebraska football scholarship players are black men, and a lot of them come from all different walks of life, all different parts of this country. And those black men live their lives in a fishbowl here in mostly white Nebraska. They have a completely different experience. They have a completely different perspective. And... I don't think it's too much for anybody to ask that you know they have the same respect as their white teammates, their white college colleagues, uh, that they have the same opportunities to live their lives without being fe- in fear of being singled out by a cop someday and, and have that experience adversely affect the rest of their life, uh, or God forbid they suffer the same flo- fate as George Floyd. Uh, so I, I just, wherever you are with this, movement this moment whatever your thinking is uh if you're watching this show uh my overriding thought is that i just hope everybody tries a different perspective at some point while you're thinking about all this try to think about what it's like every day for a guy like wandale robinson or a guy like dicaprio boodle where you know you have cheers and fans on saturdays uh and then other times you're just expected to shut up and play football mm-hmm. uh I just like to I, I like to think Lincoln's a great place, and I I certainly definitely believe it's better than almost everywhere. Um, but there's always things that we can do better as a community here in Lincoln, uh, as a state of Nebraska, and that includes being more tolerant and more inclusive and more open. I've tried to examine my thought process and and the things that I've done or haven't done, uh, and I just I would encourage everybody to do the same in this moment because. Like you said, this is historic. This has not happened a lot. Um, and to to let it go without examining what we're all doing to help it or make it worse, that's a really important part because all of us can do something to impact this, and hopefully we all do something positive about it. And I'll just add on to that, Cole. Very well said, by the way, to start the show here. Um, there's never a bad time for self-evaluation, for evaluating what are your worldviews? What have you grown up with? And maybe where you grow up, what your influences have been, how those have shaped your experiences and your worldview. Um, Jack Mitchell has said it a number of times this week. 
we all need to listen a little bit more, mm. whether that's sports or life. And a lot of times there's a giant cross-section like we've seen over this past week. So if we listen a little bit more, there are people that have had different experiences, different places they've been and grown up that have shaped their worldview. Mm-hmm. We're not all going to 100% agree 100% of the time, but if we listen and try to understand, we might get a better idea of what their worldview is, why the reason something happened that they, as we saw in Lincoln and other places, someone was peaceful, but their worldview is so much different that they did get a little more aggressive, and there was the damage to property. If we don't listen, we can never understand. So that's just going to be our overarching message here is let's try to listen to what these other worldviews are, these other experiences are, and let's come out better for it, Um, not just here, with KLIN and all of our listeners, our wonderful listeners, but for all of us in Lincoln and Nebraska, because I I know that as a majority white state, and we've had majority white experiences, Cole, there's a lot of other worldviews and experiences out there. So especially with the Husker program, where there's a lot of other worldviews coming in and a lot of other experiences, let's just listen a little bit more going forward. Yeah, and and part of that listening, just within the athletic department, ten uh, eleven had a little piece on this last night. Uh, Bill Moose, athletic director for Nebraska, hosted uh, a couple of virtual town halls for the coaches and administrators within the, within the athletic department, uh, just to just to find out what those people who are leading the the groups of these college kids on these different teams. Um, to find out what they are feeling, to find out what they are seeing, to find out what they want to do about it. I don't know if any you know sorts of announcements or initiatives or changes have come out of it. I would imagine something eventually will, maybe uh, some sort of statement of solidarity or some sort of action plan from you know this this group of coaches and administrators. But uh, that's like you said, listening is a good place to start. Um, I'm glad that that's occurring within the athletic department that we cover. Um, and Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren yeah, uh, announced right. the the Big Ten Conference anti hate and anti racism uh, coalition. So there's 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 movement there. There's the different things that we've seen, and all of this happens now in the middle of the COVID nineteen pandemic. And that that's really yeah. our transition into what does this what does this mean for other things down the line? Not just this past week or the next couple weeks, but you see more and more people out and about interacting with each other. And we've talked about this a lot this week on KLIN, both Road to Recovery and LNK Today with Jack and Friends. How is this all going to shape directed health measures going forward? Because if in the next two to three weeks there is not a spike in COVID-19 positive tests, well, you, as I said with Jack, we have a real-life Petri dish going on, not just in Lincoln and Omaha and other places in Nebraska, but across the country and across the world, that we have so many more people butting up against each other. Maybe 50% wearing masks somewhere around there, really hard to gauge as people are constantly moving, but not everyone's wearing masks. There's no social distancing. What is this going to mean in the next few weeks? Once we find that out, maybe we get to the end of June, and even if things are up a little or they've leveled off, or even if they're down, I think we're going to see things open up a lot more. And that really, as we transition all of this, because it's all, everything's involved, everything's intertwined, the sports world in the fall, you'll see full stadiums. If there's not a giant uptick by the end of June, you're going to see full stadiums this fall. Yeah, which would be nice to, to have. Uh, I I don't give that much of a chance. Like you have, like all the all, like you said, it's a petri dish, with all the people who are out in the streets across the country and I mean around the world now, where you know social distancing not really a thing. Um, you know, look, people are prioritizing this over the the coronavirus, which you know it, you you hope that the public health. Uh, resources have been kind of brought up to speed Yeah, in case there is a second spike that a lot of public health officials have predicted. They're prioritizing the movement and the message over personal safety, Yeah, which there's something to be said for that, but also what have we been hearing for the last few months about social distancing? Yeah, But again, the whole thing with the coronavirus is this is a public health thing. It's for personal safety. Part of the protest is 
a segment of the population does not feel that they have personal safety. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one could argue a public health emergency is people dying for no reason. Yep. And that's part of what is being protested for. So, yeah, it, like you said, it all ties together. Um, I hope there's not going to be big spikes that no. come from protests, but man, I would be I would be surprised if there aren't. Just because you have not only the people who are close together, but uh, the the tear gas um, in in so many places, including here in Lincoln, which is not fun, by the way. No, I I yeah, another story on <laughs> on that. But um, I, I I read up on that. It actually degrades like the membranes of your eyes and your nose, which part of that's part of those membranes are meant to keep viruses out. Yeah, to keep you healthy. Uh, which is not a great thing to lose in this in these uncertain times. So yeah, all of it ties together. And so I really hope you're right. Like maybe there isn't a spike, but I I have a feeling that we're going to see at least a little bit of one. And uh, man, as much fun as it would be, uh, and I'm I'm absolutely Denny Downer on all this. As much fun as it would be to see full stadiums, I think there's about like a five percent chance of that. Uh, hopefully we can get to fifty percent capacity in some places. But At least fifty, yeah. yeah. It's it's I just think it's it's gonna be so different and there's not enough there's not enough knowledge of where this is at and how to stop it yet. Um as as long as it's been already out there. So um so yeah I, I appreciate everybody indulging us in that conversation. It's not not hundred percent sports, but I mean none of life is. Hey, and you want to talk strictly sports next forty five minutes? Sure. I bet we could do that. We can probably do that, yeah. There's a lot going on. We're going to have Nate Klaus, Husker Online, coming on. Um, We're going to talk some Husker football recruits as well. Also, a Nebraska baseball player, All-American freshman team there, and it's watch list season. We forgot to mention that off the top. Yes. Which Husker football player is already on one of those Husker watch lists. All that and more coming up next on KLIN's Husker Hour. Husker football, basketball, baseball, and beyond. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. KLIN Husker Hour here on your Saturday morning and on your computer. Cast it to your TV, put it on your phone. We're on Facebook Live uh, at KLIN Huskers if uh, if you want to check in and see us. Um, We are uh, now going to be joined by uh, somebody else who you might want to see and hear about. Um, won't be on uh, the video with us, but he's here on the line. It is Husker Online's recruiting analyst, Nate Klaus, joining the KLIN Husker Hour. Nate, how are you this morning? Oh, sorry, Nate, are you there? I'm doing well. How are you guys? Hey, good, good, good. Thanks for joining us. Um, hey, the the Huskers have had a little bit of momentum here recently. Um, you got up to eight yep. commitments, top 40 in the rankings with a, a pretty high ceiling, I think. Um, from from where we're all right, where we are right now, June sixth. How do you evaluate Hello. the status of the class? Oh, is he? Oh, all right. Hey, Nate, can you hear me now? Yeah, hey, I got you now. Okay. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, no yeah. So I was just uh, asking. There's there's a little recent momentum here for Nebraska. They're up to eight commits, top forty in the rankings. Um, I think a fairly high ceiling as well. How do you evaluate where this class is at right now uh, and how Frost and company have done so far? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. I really like where they're at, to be honest with you. Uh, They aren't as full as a lot of other uh, people in the Big Ten, especially uh, a couple schools in the Big Ten West that I think a lot of fans kind of measure Nebraska against, uh, most notably Iowa and Minnesota. But you know, this is going to be a smaller class for Scott Frost, and, and I think they're taking their time and they're being pretty selective with uh, who they're accepting commitments from and, and when exactly they're going to take those. Um, and I do think that's a very smart strategy because as we continue to go through this this uh, this year's cycle, I think it's going to be pretty crazy once they eventually do open up um, visits for recruits. We're going to see a lot of movement. We're going to see a lot of players that are committed to other schools taking visits to new schools, and a lot of decommitments and and you know uh, players opening things back up. And so you want to be positioned to take advantage of that. You don't want to be necessarily completely full when when that craziness really starts to happen. So uh, they've gotten the guys that they've wanted to get that were high on their board, and and I think they're still sitting pretty well with a, a number of other guys that are high on their board that haven't committed yet. Nate, we, we saw this a lot with the uh, the last cycle, 
and the peer recruiting from Henry Gray, who, as we know, is now in the transfer portal going away from the program. Um, but we're seeing it a lot now with 2021 quarterback Heinrich Harburg, a number of other guys. They've had the fishing competitions, the dunking competitions. What, what, what are you seeing from the peer recruiting with this class? It's fantastic. Um, and, and from a coach's perspective, you could not be more happy uh, what you, about what you're seeing from those current commits than, than uh, you know, what, you, what you see on almost a daily basis. Uh, you want these guys taking ownership of their recruiting class and trying to get other great players to join them and, and kind of building those relationships, uh, especially in this current climate, you know, where you haven't had a spring game to get all these guys on campus together and create those bonds. You, you haven't had uh, junior days throughout the spring or anything like that to, to get these guys on campus. And so with them doing it on their own over social media, um, I think that's a big deal. And mm-hmm. like you said, you've noticed Heinrich Harburg and uh, Henry Latovsky and Teddy Prohaska and, and a lot of those commits, um, you know, talking with a lot of other commits, Marcus Embo, the offensive lineman out of uh, Wisconsin, and especially Thomas Fedoni, the, the, you know, one of the top overall players in the country, uh, certainly the top tight end in the nation out of Council Bluffs. So, um, they've developed a good relationship with those guys, and they're continuing to kind of foster that over over social media. Yeah, I think I saw Henry Lutowski declare himself the angling champion of the class on uh, social media <laughs> yesterday. Nate Klaus, Husker Online recruiting analyst, joining us here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Uh, Nate, you said the Huskers are being selective about who they're taking, uh, but I've also seen and heard some some reports that there might possibly be room for a second quarterback in the 2021 class, even though it might be relatively small. Uh, what are you hearing about that? Yeah, that's an interesting deal. I know that uh, there's a quarterback um, you know, out of Massachusetts, I believe, that, that tweeted out that he got an offer, but it turns out that was a walk-on offer. And mm. so um, it, they are looking to bring in another quarterback in, in this class, but as a walk-on, not as a second scholarship quarterback. So, uh, Heinrich Harburg will be the only scholarship quarterback in the class, uh, but they are looking to add a walk-on quarterback in the class as well. Oh, good, good, uh, good info there. Thanks for clearing that up for folks. What what other positions are still of highest need based on the spots that are left for 2021, and how do you think Husker coaches are positioned to address those needs right now? Yeah, well, they've done a great job starting out along the offensive line um, and, uh, with linebacker in this class. Obviously, they got their quarterback, um, and, and they got a, a big wide receiver uh, just this past week in Sean Hardy. Uh, you know, honestly, offensively, probably one of the biggest needs in the class is t- that tight end position. Uh, they didn't sign any tight ends last year, and then the tight end that they signed two classes ago and Chris Hickman has basically made the transition to wide receiver full-time. So um, they, they definitely need to take at least two tight ends in the class. Uh, obviously, like I mentioned, Thomas Fedoni is, is arguably the top overall target on the board. And, uh, you know, that would be a big, big get if they could get him. Uh, but they also need another one in, in addition to Thomas, uh, whether that's A.J. Rollins out of Creighton Prep mm-hmm. uh, or Eric Olson out of Colorado, whose mother actually went to the University of Nebraska and is from Binkelman, Nebraska. Um, and so there's a connection there. And, and I think, you know, defensively, it would be along the defensive line uh, or in the in the secondary um, with uh, with a corner or safety there. Always good connections in Binkelman. As we're talking with the <laughs> recruiting analyst Nate Klaus for Husker Online uh, rivals in Yahoo Sports Network. Nate, with Henry Gray on the way out, that leaves open one spot for for this class for the fall. This current class switching away from twenty twenty one. Are is the coaching staff trying to fill that one spot, go JUCO route? What, what are you hearing? Yeah, you know, so with, actually the way it works is since Henry Gray was an early enrollee and he was on campus and taking classes, um, his his scholarship still counts against the 2020 class, even though he's put his name in the transfer portal. But they did have two open spots left in that 2020 class, and they filled one with Dylan Cherney, the punter from Australia, um, and now with that final spot, they're basically trying to get the best available player out there. 
Uh, you know, n- initially, I think they wanted to go out and get a graduate wide receiver to fill in that spot. But uh, right now, it looks like they've got their eyes on a junior college cornerback by the name of Nadab Joseph, um, who coming out of high school was a Rivals 100 corner. He's 6'2", 195 pounds. He's a low 4'4 guy. He's got a 42-inch vertical. He was committed to Alabama out of high school and then flipped to Georgia, ended up going to Independence Community College, and he did graduate late. Um, it, it, I think a lot of schools had kind of written him off. They, they didn't think that he was going to graduate this May and, and thought that he was going to be academically ineligible. Uh, but he is back on the market all of a sudden, and Nebraska is positioned themselves really well to add him uh, to that 2020 class, uh, which would be a huge addition, especially, you know, with Henry Gray leaving, losing a defensive back, you could add a defensive back. But Nadab Joseph, uh, you know, assuming that, that everything works out and he could be on campus by July, that's a potential instant impact player in that secondary, which all of a sudden would give Travis Fisher a lot of options uh, when, you, when you start talking about, you know, Sam Taylor Britt and DiCaprio Boodle. Um, you know, and, and uh, Deontay Williams coming back at at, at safety, and um, you know, Dismuke and, and all those bodies uh, in the and all those young players too, like Miles Farmer and, and Quentin Newsom and all those guys uh, in the back end of that defense. Yeah, a lot a lot of pieces in the secondary. There's no doubt about that. Um, Caleb and I talked about special teams a few weeks back. Uh, about your, you mentioned the Daniel Cherney commitment, uh, Connor Culp transferring from LSU, Jonathan Rutledge, new analyst uh, and an assistant, not one of the main ten, but he's the special teams guy. Uh, I, you had an article up on Husker Online uh, about the special teams as well. What did you learn about Nebraska's approach and how that's going to look in 2020? Yeah, it's interesting because, like you said, Jonathan Rutledge isn't a full-time coach, so He's not going to be someone who can be out at practice and be hands-on with with coaching each specific special teams unit. So how Nebraska is approaching this is is really each assistant coach has is in charge of of a, of a special teams unit or a, a part of a special teams unit. And Jonathan Rutledge is coaching the full time coaches up, and then the full time coaches are then going to go to practice. And, and coach up the players. And, um, you know, it's a kind of a unique way to handle it. But I do think that with each coach kind of becoming an expert at their specific uh, duty uh, or their, you know, specific role on, on special teams, uh, you know, I, I think that's going to be something that, that there, you, can play, you can kind of pay more attention to detail uh, than if it's just one person running every aspect of, of special teams. And so yeah. um, that's how they're handling it. And, and I know that they're obviously placing a huge emphasis on special teams because that's something that was just absolutely dreadful last year. And so, uh, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how it, how it kind of looks in the fall. But I, from talking with the coaches and, and even some of the players, um, you know, it seems like they're kind of they're they're all on board with it, and, and they're excited about the the prospects of of kind of uh, revamping the overall look of the special teams. Nate Klaus Husker online here with us on the K Line Husker Hour. Nate, we'll get you out of here on this one. What do we know about how recruiting visits are going to look uh, once they kind of get opened back up? If there's been any guidance on that. Uh, and and if not, are we expecting to see any anything more about that in the near future? Yeah, it's a great question. No one really knows what they're going to look like. You know, if it if it's just going to go back to to normal, you know, what, whatever you know what it used to look like before the uh, the dead period got put in place. Um, you know, and, but no one knows when the visits are going to be opening back up, and they don't know if there's going to be any type of restrictions placed on those visits when they do open up. Uh, now I would say that I wouldn't expect any visits to be happening uh, over the summer. And I think best case scenario is that they open up uh, beginning September 1st. And so, uh, but then again, you know, I, I don't know what that's going to look like. You know, if, if there's going to be a limited capacity crowds uh, or no fans in the stands, are you going to want to bring in, players and their their parents uh, or their guardians or whoever for a home game you know if there's if you're not able to experience hmm. that atmosphere um, you know because obviously we all know that that's one of the biggest selling points Nebraska has is just the 
the overall atmosphere and the, the fan base and that just that feeling on game day. Um, and so I, I think that that's all up in the air right now, and I, that's something that Nebraska is going to have to try to game plan for, what, what the best um, way to handle that is going forward. Uh, if there's one thing Nebraska usually does, and regardless of the staff uh, with recruiting, um, I think being creative is probably one through line because uh, it, it is a little different recruiting to Nebraska, but certainly even more so now uh, with the pandemic going on. Uh, well, Nate, uh, thanks a lot for the information and the time. We appreciate it, and uh, we'll have you on down the road again. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Nate. And Nate Klaus, Husker Online. Yeah, I, I, he makes a great point with the recruiting piece. Like That is the one selling point that you have that is it's not completely unique i mean there are other great atmospheres but it's it's something i mean that's the experience in the immemorial stadium on a game day um that can that can get a couple of recruits yeah you know what do you have that less than a dozen schools across the country can consistently show on a saturday and that's game day at memorial stadium now, can a couple other Big Ten schools maybe show something close to that? Sure, but they're not going to be able to show the sellout streak with it. Mm. Can the Alabamas show that? Can Clemson? Can Georgia? Yeah, these these big time schools can show that. But what have those big time schools been doing the last three years? They've been going to bowl games. Mm. They've been winning conference championships, playing for conference championships. Nebraska doesn't have that to lean on, so you have to lean on yeah. that game day atmosphere at Memorial Stadium. Yeah, and without that experience, it, it is something that I think would give the staff a little bit of pause, right? Like, should we should we maybe use our our official visits um in a different situation or in a different time? Like that that's a lot to to chew on, I think, if you're Scott Frost and, and the rest of that staff. Um, All right, plenty more to get to here on the KLIN Husker Hour. NFL is getting closer to normal. Um, College football getting closer to normal. Uh, Decap on a watch list. Watch list season. S-Z-N. We got to get to the watch list. And uh, and a a freshman All-American announcement as well if you missed that. We'll get you all caught up with all the news that's happening around the Huskers when we come back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. Talking with current and former Huskers and those who cover the Big Red. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Always an exciting time during the break as Caleb and I look up, where in the heck is Benkelman, Nebraska? I, I just said out west. You knew it was out west. That's more than I knew. And, it's, <laughs> and then we're like, oh, wait, you have to go past McCook. You're still south of Juanita Palisade. You're south, you're south of, of Imperial. Imperial. Yeah, you're basically on the Kansas state line, almost you're, to Colorado. Yeah, the too. Kansas, the Kansas, Colorado, Nebraska corner there. This is this is the hard hitting information that you come to the KLI and Husker Hour for. All right, so the NFL made the announcement earlier this week that coaches and staff can go back to the team facilities. Mm-hmm. Um, I was very excited to see my Hawaiian shirt donned Andy Reid yes. stroll up to the Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs uh, practice facilities and start to get back to work and, and get to that get to that back to back. You have players who are getting treatment, medical treatment. They're already allowed in. Mm-hmm. Um, you're still capped at uh, up to a hundred people. I think that's raised maybe since last week even. Uh, but 100 people in the facility at one time. So they're still trying to monitor social distancing and whatnot. Meanwhile, college football, uh, Nebraska obviously opened their doors to the football program here uh, and four other sports on June 1st. You've got schools across the Big Ten and across the country getting back. And yet at the same time, Caleb, you have Alabama. The story comes out that multiple players on Alabama's football team have tested positive for coronavirus. So you know, you're you're going to have this. It's just what what are the protocols in place mm-hmm. for these schools to deal with players that have tested? Because there's not a lot of one on one or you know seven on seven, whatever the numbers are. There's not a lot of interaction physically yet. But you're going to get to that. You're going to get to that point. And then you know, if you're talking about like, hey, this guy's talked to this guy or this guy's been in a meeting with this guy, and they can quarantine. What do you do when you got defensive line versus offensive line drills in August yeah. and one of those guys tests positive? That's that's the big question mark. Yeah, that and that's going to be and the other thing we need to remember is that 
there are going to be positives. Yes. Like we, we just have to accept that there are going to be positives. And it's not we can't admonish athletic departments when there are. It it's not somebody's fault for doing something wrong if there are positives. There's gonna be positives at Nebraska. There's gonna be positives at Wesleyan. There's gonna be positives at Creighton. When all of these schools here in state and across the country come back, there's going to be a couple of positives because think about the number of places student-athletes are coming in from. Now, depending on the school, some of them are you have to have a negative test and self-isolate for a couple days. Some of them are I think you have to have two negative tests over the course of a week Hmm. and pretty much be in like this dorm setting by yourself, only workouts by yourself. So there are some different ways that they're bringing student athletes back, but we can't fault the athletic departments for something that's going to be a fact, that there are going to be positives. It's how we handle that once there are positives. What is that protocol? You, You get through that part and then how do you clear yourself from some of these positives. And I think we're finding out just how many asymptomatic um, student-athletes there are across the country coming back to these schools, whether or not they had a cough or a fever um, or a headache or sore throat or any number of symptoms that there are. It's what is that reaction? Now, Purdue's, I can't remember if it was their president or athletic department or athletic director, said if there's an outbreak, and he didn't quantify what an outbreak is, and he said they may have to shut down a team at least temporarily, mm-hmm. which makes sense. What is the reaction and the protocol going forward? Now, we know the Big Ten has their um, task force on emerging infectious diseases. We don't have that guidebook from them on what that's going to be in case a Big Ten team, let's say Nebraska set to play Iowa. And Iowa has three, four, five positive tests that week, and they decide, well, we can't play these guys, and we're just going to shut everything down because we have to test everyone. Yeah. What does that do for games? What does that do for your schedule? So that's the part that we really don't know yet, and I'm really, we're not going to know until we get to August and we hear what everyone's specific protocols are because it's not going to be sweeping across. The country, we're not going to have one protocol across the country. It's really going to be school to school. Yeah. Um, at the very least, conferences will come up with something, but uh, we we still have to wait to see when all the student athletes get back. They're all at least allowed to go to workouts. How many positives there are, and then what the reaction is from campus and administrators on how they're going to handle it. Yeah. Meanwhile, in the professional side, there's obviously sports that were going on that got shut down. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've been talking about football a lot here in this segment, but Major League Baseball never got off the ground. Still uh, not. And they're still not able to come to an agreement. Hey, that's baseball for you. Um, I I still remember the 94 strike um, right when I started paying attention a lot to sports. Is there Uh, a sport that hurts themselves more than Major League Baseball? From the way they regionalize the television contracts and black everything out, they black out uh, radio stuff, too. When I was living in Des Moines, they technically Des Moines is technically the home market for like five different teams. Mm-hmm. So they black out everything in this Midwest Great Plains region. You can't really get Cubs or Sox or Reds or Cardinals or twins. Royals, Twins. You can't get really any of those in Des Moines because it's everyone's home market. Crazy. So between that and now the possibility of not even having a season because they can't come together on what the numbers are financially – there's not a sport that hurts itself more than Major League Baseball. Yeah, ba- baseball owners going to baseball owners. Yes. Um, so you, you have that not really working. Meanwhile, uh, the NBA has come to an agreement, what is it, July 31st? Yeah. They're the, going to uh, play the last like eight games of the regular season with 22 of their teams that are still in contention or in the playoff picture. 13 from the West, 9 from the East. You had to be within so many games of yeah. a playoff spot. Yeah, and so that will wrap up the regular season with like eight games and you're going to have a full playoffs all at the Magic Kingdom. Yes, the like, the House of Mouse becomes the Hall of Bounce. Yeah, I saw that. That's, that's Made me cute. very happy. Yeah. So the NBA's back. Uh MLS actually might beat them to the punch. Mm-hmm. Um they are they are close to to setting up their uh also in Orlando, basically just like a a, a big tournament. Yeah. Um which I MLS is is not the same product as as you get like with the uh, Premier League in England or even 
you know, the, the others, the other organizations in like Spain or Italy or Germany, but they could be the first one domestically out of any of the major sports. And it could give them a little bit of a bounce. It could give them, you know, a little bit more attention. Uh, I don't know if you pick up more hardcore fans simply because they don't have anything else to watch. And maybe they just jump back off the MLS bandwagon when the NBA or Major League Baseball or college football or NFL come back. But You're at least going to get those eyeballs for a little bit. They, they are looking to take advantage of the moment, and they can make it happen, apparently. And so if that's going to be something that they can do, um, it sounds like they're going to try to do that. Uh, and so you could, by the end of this month, see major professional sports back in the United States of America. And in July, the memorial uh, for PGA Tour which goes on in, uh, I think it's, it's mid-July, but it's in Ohio, yeah. and they got the green light to have spectators. Now, we don't know how many, how they're going to handle that, but you're going to see spectators at a PGA Tour event this next month. All of this, Cole, I think we could agree, very positive news for getting to the fall mm-hmm. as we see sports return. How are they handling fans? Fans are allowed at some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're going to get to the end of June and have a much better idea of what cases look like and social distancing looks like going into July and August and then September when college football and NFL really get underway. Yeah. What are those crowd sizes going to look like? So PGA Tour, MLS, NBA, maybe Major League Baseball is going to figure something out. NHL is going to be coming back. And then you're going to see how quickly those professional leagues go from, we finished up this season, now you had five weeks off, now we start the 2020 yeah, 21 season. The, right. N- the NBA is going to have potentially an N- a finals game seven on like October 12th. And then less than two weeks later, they'll have their, they'll open up, well, they'll have their draft and they'll open up free agency. Yeah. And then in like November, I think it was, they start their preseason. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a that's a quick turnaround. I and I haven't looked at who's all available this 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 uh off season for free agency. I'll just say right now, no matter who's available, wild in the NBA. Yeah. Well, it's going to be wild in I mean, there's still there's still free agents in the NFL. Like Cam Newton's not on a, on a roster yet. That still baffles me. Um there's I don't know how many free agents would still be around in baseball. I I paid close attention to that, but but yeah, I mean, this is I don't know if it's a good Time to be a free agent or a bad time? I, like you're not going to get that much interest, maybe. And I don't know how the contracts would work when you're only playing. Like baseball might only play like a 50 game schedule. Yeah, um, it's just weird, man. It's just we're just we're just trying to make sense of all the weirdness. That's all we're here for. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, you see soccer this month. You see NBA next month, and then college football and the NFL can start training camps in August. Maybe baseball gets their stuff together too. Who knows? Um, Just give me a wild October. This is all setting up for a wild October, and I'm here for it. Absolutely. All right, more to come. Uh, We're going to dig into NCAA, FBI, uh, what's coming for Nebraska's in-state rival. Uh, We've got some discussion on this coming back uh, here on the K-Lion Husker Hour. Stick with us. Your Saturday morning source for everything Huskers is right here. You're listening to the KLIN Husker Hour on Lincoln's Husker Radio, 1400 KLIN. Back here on the KLIN Husker Hour. You missed it. Nate Klaus joined us earlier, Husker Online recruiting analyst. You can always catch up on the KLIN podcast page at KLIN.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at KLIN Huskers. Of course, we're on Facebook Live right now with our live video with our smiling faces. Hello. While we are watching the 98 Orange Bowl, and I have to say, I want more Husker starter jackets just dispersed amongst Husker faithful. Yeah. And more Peyton Manning <laughs> getting driven into the Orange Bowl turf. Fun fact, my mom, so my mom's from Tennessee, so I'm pretty sure I was the only kid in like 97 that had that for Halloween I had I wore a Peyton Manning jersey. Oh my gosh! I think I was the only kid. <laughs> Wait, in '97, so it was Peyton Manning didn't get to profit off of that likeness, did he? No, he did not. No, no he did not. But bad. I had a Tennessee number sixteen jersey that I wore to school. I'm fairly certain I wore it like the next year too, with like full pads and everything. Oh my gosh! Um, but I didn't know. I was like <laughs> I was like six, seven years old. I didn't know. Thanks, mom and dad, for that. Man. <laughs> 
It's like finding out you had a rat tail haircut when you were four years old and old pictures. (laughs) Like, Mom, what did you do that for? Um, (laughs) Speaking of looking back and, and, you know, maybe having some regret, Oklahoma State basketball was uh, handed down their punishment from the NCAA um, yesterday, I think. Yeah. They are uh, banned from postseason for 2021, three years probation, uh, a $10,000 fine plus 1% of its budget. Uh, Just for reference, they made about $6 million last year uh in in profits uh they have recruiting restrictions scholarship reductions it's the first punishment that stems from the fbi investigations that involve like shoe companies bag men runners and uh notably for places like creighton assistant coaches gone wild assistant coaches really accepting bribes to steer recruits from some uh locations to a different school mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now we can we can all agree that it really is not fair to punish current coaches, current student athletes that had absolutely nothing to do with these types of things. That's step one, but that's not how it works. There's, I mean, how else do you make a university? F- I mean, it's there's not a perfect way to do yeah. it. You can't go back in time yep. and say, oh, Reggie Bush, you can't make that that really cool cutback against Fresno State now because we caught you. It's You can't yeah. go back in time. So it all yeah. comes back to institutional control. And what is that institutional control been at places like Oklahoma State, Creighton, Kansas, a, a number of other places? And here's the thing. Oklahoma State was facing a single, single one, yeah. level one infraction. Yeah. Kansas is facing what, like five. five. Yes. So what is that going to do? For one of the bluest of blue bloods in college basketball, yeah, yeah. What what is their postseason ban going to look like? Or if they don't get a postseason ban, because we know they look at these on a case to case basis, each individual school. How upset is the rest of the Big Twelve going to be if one of their schools gets a postseason ban, but another school doesn't, just because they have a more storied history in that sport? Yeah, look, and we all know the NCAA is just super consistent with all the way they apply all their punishments. <laughs> they do this really just you, they set their precedent and they stick to it, man. No, like, look, they're going to do all this stuff willy-nilly all the time. I don't think that's ever going to change, but this is a sort of unique situation where everything is kind of all tied up in this FBI investigation, court cases, guilty pleas, prison time for some people. Mm-hmm. Like this is all kind of related. This is not just an isolated Oklahoma State case, and Kansas might have done something similar to it, but in a different time, in a different context. It's all kind of within the same context, right? So, I don't know. I've kind of had this thought that nobody's going to get the book thrown at them, but maybe the NCAA is going to make a liar out of me. Like, if you if this is going to be the tense, the the, the tone setter, uh, you got bigger, more traditional programs caught doing stuff worse than Oklahoma State. You've got three schools that have won national championships in the last 25 years that did worse stuff than Oklahoma State got caught mm-hmm. with. you got Kansas, Arizona, Louisville. Yep. Uh, they're staring at missing, you know, maybe one dance, maybe two dances. Like, Louisville has, I think, um, had a postseason ban within the last decade. Yeah. Uh, they maybe even had the 2013 title vacated. I think they got it vacated. Uh, which, whatever. I, yeah, you can't take away that <laughs> that feeling of winning. That there are two big things we have to remember in this as well. When this was all first announced in the fall, what did Kansas do within like that next week? They had their night at the fog. Oh my gosh! And they had Snoop Dogg and, th- and the money guns, <laughs> and they just said whatever NCAA. Just a big old middle finger. Jayhawk's gonna Jayhawk oh is what they were doing. They were just rock chalking around. The second thing we need to remember is what is this recruiting class for Oklahoma State? It's a top 10 recruiting class yep. that involves the number two player in the country. Cade Cunningham. And expected to be the top draft pick in 2021. Now to make it local, North Star grad and four-star guard Donovan Williams. Both of those guys are in the 2020 class, and anytime there's a postseason ban, uh, the Committee on Fractions recommends that you let those guys go without having to sit out. So what does they're that, free to go if they want? So what does that mean for possible landing spots? First of all, for Cade Cunningham, he might skip college entirely now. Yeah, he can he, go G League for he, sure. He can go to that G League developmental program, which we're, we've seen a lot of guys do. Some of the top five players in the country have already done that. The top player in the country has already done that. Yeah. So Cade Cunningham is the top incoming college recruit, just because the guy who was ahead of him is going to the G League. Yep. 
And what does that mean for Donovan Williams here in Lincoln? Because that's a local interest. He was he was recruited by Nebraska. He he committed. He decommitted and then got it down to uh, like K State, Oklahoma State, and one other one. Um, but he picked Oklahoma State. Now I haven't looked. Is there room at K State? There's not room at Nebraska. No. Is there room somewhere else that he's going to want to go play? Because coming in, Oklahoma State had a roster and an incoming class that was going to get them into the postseason. I have yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah. And now that opportunity's gone. Yep. Yeah, and we we did touch on Creighton. Creighton is in this too. Like they have an assistant coach, Preston Murphy, I think is mm-hmm. his name, who was wrapped up in this scheme, um, offering money to Bruce Bowen, a top five recruit. Uh, who ended up, I think, committing to Louisville, but I don't know that he ever played. Mm. Um, anyway, so Creighton is going to be looking at some sort of punishment, maybe similarly to what Oklahoma State has. Maybe they get a postseason ban, maybe not. I think certainly they'll get probation, probably some sort of recruiting and scholarship sanctions. Um, so that's that's going to hit you know, th- th- that school right up the road as well. Uh, it, it, very interesting to see that they came out so strongly against one of these schools that is – you know, a little lower down on the totem pole uh, in terms of tradition and in terms of what they're implicated in. Yep. Uh, and so, yeah, it, it could be an interesting summer for college basketball, um, even without actually seeing, uh, you know, the the off se- the, po- the po- preseason start with, with, you know, the way you'll see football training camps get going. College basketball is working their way into the news, too. Yep. Uh, with these punishments. <laughs> so we'll see what comes of that. Um Wrapping up the show next, uh, we've got a freshman All-American here at Nebraska to talk about uh, and watch list season as well. This is the KLI and Husker Hour. Giving you an inside look at everything Huskers. This is the KLIN Husker Hour on 1400 KLIN. Thanks for joining us here on your Saturday morning. Uh, congratulations to Leighton Banjoff. Yes. Nebraska freshman out of uh, the state of Ohio, uh, mostly DH'd for the Huskers, started 13 out of the 15 games, played in all 15. He was on a tear Yes, at the plate. Yeah, Collegiate Baseball named him a freshman All-American, slash 341, 517, 636, all of which led the team. Three home runs, 13 RBIs, 12 runs scored. Uh, his uh, freshman of the week, Big Ten freshman of the week, was... Uh, uh, following the Arizona State series, he went four for six with two home runs and six RBIs in Tempe as a true freshman in his first like ten games. That's a pretty bright future for that kid. Congratulations to him. We also need to mention the Lot Impact Trophy has their watch list. It's for the best uh, defensive player as well as goes into your character and off the field. DiCaprio Boodle, defensive back, named to that watch list. Watch list season. Watch list. Look out for more of those for sure. Um, so yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, back next week with uh, plenty more. Uh, hopefully, we get a little bit more in, uh, interesting information about recruiting. You know, Nate Klaus said, "Hey, we don't really know." Um, and then uh, more developments, obviously, with uh, reopening sports. More folks coming back to campus. You bet. It's exciting, and hopefully, everything goes well. Go Big Red.